Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John Delano, and I'm the Communications Guy at Free Life Community Church in Ontario, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan and his friends are rich, Welcome, everybody, to Free Life Community Church. Welcome those of you at home, and welcome those of you uh, who are listening in from our campus at Mecca. We're grateful and thankful to be here today. As I said before, it looks like we're getting some people back. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, friends, I have to tell you, there's a lot of things running through my mind. And you might think, we well, don't think there's anything in there. <laughs> but there is, believe it or not. Now, sometimes I, you know, I'm aging. And so because of that, Things slip my mind. Anybody have trouble with that? Things slip in your mind? Yeah. I remember one time uh, I was, uh, when I was, uh, I, I, well, I'm not going to get into what I, what I was, but let's just say I was a protect, I was in, in the protection industry. Uh, and I, uh, after I got a Marine Corps and became a police officer, and before that, uh, I was trained, uh, you know, in the military uh, to do protective details. And so um, there was a, an individual in a company that needed protection, so I did that. Um, and I remember going into the facility um, and to assume my post as protecting the president of this company, um, and an individual who's a vice president came walking down the stairs. He looked at me. He looked around the lobby. He said, what the heck did I come down here for? He turned around and went right back up. You know, and I thought, gosh, that must be awful. There must be something wrong with him. And now it's happening to me, <laughs> right? And you think, there must be something wrong with me. So here's the thing. There's a lot of things I, I forget, some things that escape me, but there's certain things that don't escape me either. And I began to think about that, and I thought, okay, I, God, you know, are you trying to tell me something? And I think He was. Uh, he said, you know, I gave you that sermon series, but you don't have to bring them all in succession. You can skip a week. It's okay. In fact, I'd like you to. I said, okay. And so we are. This is a good message. I like this message. You know why? Because it, it's a little painful in some areas, but, it, but it's really uplifting in others. And I began to think about this, and a, a song came to my mind. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. Sing it with me. The Lord liveth. And blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. How many remember that? Shelly, we need to go back to that. She gone. Oh, there she is. Shelly, we need to go back to that at least once. You know why? Because there's a, I, I, every church I've pastored, we sang that song, even this one. And I, and I have to tell you, friends, there, there's something. You know why I like it? Because it's Scripture. That's what it is. It doesn't matter what version it is. It basically reads the same. And, and that is so true. The Lord does live, doesn't He? And, and, and isn't He the rock? And I, aren't I blessed because He's the rock? Right? 
I should exalt Him? Yes. He's the God of my salvation. And so I want to speak to you today about defeating modern concerns. How many are concerned? Anybody concerned today? Am I the only person that's concerned? I doubt it. Anybody at home concerned? Raise your hand. I can't see you, but I know you're doing it. Anybody at Mech, are you concerned? I know you're concerned. And if you aren't, what planet are you living on? You should be concerned. Steve, should we be concerned? We're in trouble anyway. He and I can fix the world in five minutes. Yes or no? I guarantee you. I, and like me present, I'll fix it. And I won't care what anybody thinks about it. Right? Don't do that. I don't want to be president. <laughs> okay? You know what I mean? But, I but I, I, we can fix it. I know how to fix it. I guarantee you I do. And people say, well, I don't know how are you. I, I, that's how. That's how you fix everything. That's how you do it. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. You're like, uh-oh, you're kidding me. We're going to Revelation? Yeah. Yeah, we are. I want you to understand a couple of things that are happening here in this passage because we can fix them. Revelation chapter 3, scroll down to verse 4. God is speaking to the churches, the seven churches here. The Lord Jesus Christ has ascended to the Father, and He has reappeared in a vision to John the Revelator, who is one of His disciples. And at this point, the only one still living. And Christ even told him the time would come that probably He'd be the only one. He didn't quite grasp it at that point, but He does now. And he, he writes these words as Jesus reveals them to him in chapter 3, verse 4. Listen to what he says. Yet you have a few people in Sardis. And what he has done is he's told the church of Sardis, you know, you guys are unbelievable. There are some things that you've done that you've got to stop doing. I have not found you worthy in my sight. The deeds that you have done are, aren't quite what I had in mind. And he could be speaking to any one of us, yeah? And the church of today, couldn't he? You're playing church, you're doing church, but it isn't exactly the way I expected it to be. However, he says, listen to this, you have a few people who have not soiled their clothes. I think, I think that's us today. I think the church has gone batty. But there are some people in the church that haven't done that. They've held true to the faith. They've kept their eyes focused on the one who is, who was, and always will be. Amen? I mean, do you, does that sound kind of modern to you? Okay, because it is. He says, they will walk with me. They will be dressed in white, for they are worthy. I believe that's true. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. He wants us to overcome. Overcome what? Everything, anything, whatever it is. Right? I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. I want to be that person. Anybody with me here? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church, or the angel church of Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the keys of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I love that verse. That means God is completely in control of everything, whatever it is. Yes or no? He says, I know your deeds. You better believe it. And when you think you're hiding from God, you aren't. 
Amen? He knows the good ones, and he knows the not-so-good ones, and he knows the bad ones. Anybody? He says, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I'd like to think that that's where we're at right now. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. In other words, I'm going to make those who are part of the church of Satan, who claim to be Christian, but are not. The fact that he mentions it here means that there are those people. You understand? There are those people that think they're Christian, but they're not. In fact, if they're not Christians, what are they? Part of the church of Satan. Yes or no? This is Jesus speaking here. Yes? It isn't my thoughts. It isn't my idea. It's his. He says they're liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. And since you have kept my command and endured patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole earth to test those who live on the earth. Well, I think we're in the middle of a trial. And it isn't the first one, and it won't be the last. Agreed? He says, I am coming soon. I believe it. Anyone with me here? Okay. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. That means it can happen, doesn't it? Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my living God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. That's going to happen too. Anybody? And I will also write on him my new name. I want it. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, write this. These are the words of the amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. That's got to be Jesus Christ. Yeah? Yeah? Come on, guys. Who's the ruler of God's creation? Wake up. Jesus Christ. That's him. In other words, he's speaking to us. Yeah? I know your deeds. You're neither hot nor cold. You're neither cold nor hot. You're neither hot nor cold, cold nor hot. Did you get that? In other words, we're in the middle somewhere. And don't we love to be somewhere in the middle, not an extremist? Anybody? That's, we're, we're told by society that that's what we have. You should never be an extremist either way. Be a moderate. Be a moderate. God says, really? Really? Those aren't my words. Whose words are they? Those are Satan's words. He's the one telling us to be a moderate. Amen? Now, I'm not saying you should be extremist about everything. But there are certain things you better be extremist about. Anybody? He says, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. How many of you think it's possible that you're a moderate Christian? Are you a lukewarm Christian? Anybody? Are there days when you are? Are you willing to admit that? Come on. Okay. You say, I am rich. Why? Because I've acquired wealth and I don't need anything. And yeah, there's an awful lot of people, especially today, that would say that. But you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Do you realize that there are a gazillion people, and I stole that from Forrest Gump, a gazillion people in the world that are pitiful, poor, 
blind and naked, and they don't know it, have no idea. They think everything's wonderful. They think life is good. Remember that. We're going to come back to that. Life is good. Now, listen. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Awful lot of people with their eyes open can't see a thing. Huh? Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. Yeah, and I felt it too. Anybody with me? Yeah. So be earnest and repent. Yeah. Isn't that the answer, repent? See, we, we want salvation. We want heaven. We want eternity, but we're not sure we want to repent. We're just sorry we got caught. Isn't that kind of true? Okay. He says, here I am. Love this verse too. How many of you love this verse? I I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And I'm grateful that I opened the door. Because for a long time, I acted like I didn't hear the knock. Anybody? Huh? Yeah, you can identify that with that, can't you? Okay? To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. I don't deserve that, but I'm going to get it. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, my friends. In these modern times, I have heard the sheep bleeding over many things. And most of them are associated with either COVID-19 or the national election upcoming in November. Those are the two things I keep hearing over and over and over and over again, and I'm sick of it. The door keeps opening on me. Get behind me, Satan. Anybody? You have no part of me. I serve the living God. He's defeated you. You lose. <laughs> Go bother somebody else for a while. Somebody who likes it when you do it. I keep hearing these concerns of getting infected with COVID from children going back to school, going to work, even people afraid to attend church. And still others are worried about grocery shopping and things of that nature. And they're all legitimate concerns. Don't misunderstand me. They're all legitimate concerns. I, I'm, I'm a little fearful. Anybody? I, I don't want to get it. Anybody? I, nobody does. Okay, I get it. But I think we're missing something here. The other issues that I'm hearing stem from this election. Many are concerned that socialism will be promoted and our rights and freedoms will be slowly taken away if Joe Biden wins the White House. Now, I'm not standing on any side. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing. These people reason that he will try to shut down the economy and the, and the nation again using COVID-19 as his platform and promote fear. Others are afraid that if Biden is elected, that our religious freedoms will be trampled and that an unbiblical agenda will prevail, which will lead Christians to being forced to either deny their faith and obedience to God or tolerate sinful beliefs and behaviors. And they'll be penalized for disagreeing with these unbiblical practices. Still others are afraid of persecution if they disagree with defunding law enforcement or if they disagree with uh, BLM or violence and rioting. They reason that disagreement with these things labels them as a bigot and a hater. And these are legitimate concerns. On the other side, people literally hate 
our President Donald Trump. And they will do anything or vote for anyone to keep him from being president for another term. And they reason that he is discriminatory toward homosexuals, toward women, and toward those who are seeking abortion. They think that homosexuality ought to be taught in our schools, not only as normal, but in some cases championed and preferred. In fact, it happened right here in Big O County. Still happening. They think that God created people that way. They also champion abortion on demand. They basically believe in the rights of a woman to determine life or death with no consideration to the father or to the unborn child. Now tell me this isn't happening. They also believe that those in the United States who are here illegally should be given a pardon and allowed to stay. Along with that, they believe we should open our borders and allow any and all to come in so that they can have a better life here. After all, everyone ought to be able to pursue the American dream, they reason. And it doesn't matter if they do it legally or illegally. Now, and listen, I'm just telling you this is what they believe. They see Donald Trump as a president who will never allow any of these things to happen. They agree with former President Obama that we need to make uh, more allies in the world and not pursue American interests above the interests of other nations. And they oppose any treaties or alliance with the nation of Israel because they believe that Israel has discriminated against Arabs and Muslims in particular. According to them, Arabs and Muslims are not dangerous and that we should allow them entry into the United States at will and to stop what they consider to be discrimination against them. They also believe there should be no influence of religious belief systems on our government and that a Christian belief system is now outdated, uncultured, and unintelligent. Friends, these things are not in dispute. I took these things right off websites. This is what both sides basically believe. And I'm not telling you I'm for one or the other. I think you know, but I'm not telling you. I'm just simply saying these are the two sides. And this is what concerns people from two walks of life. But here's the thing. Regardless of what anyone personally believes, this whole mess has caused people to take sides. Yes or no? It has divided our nation. It, it has even divided classes of people, friends and friendships, families, and even Christians and churches. It's no wonder there is unrest everywhere. Dear friends, as Christians, we're going to have to get back to the basics. We're going to have to start listening and practicing the teachings of God and keeping our eyes focused on the things of heaven versus getting entangled in the things of society and earth. Agreed? I mean, no matter what your belief system on either side of that aisle, you got to believe that. Now, it doesn't mean we're not supposed to care, not that we shouldn't have opinions about things, and it certainly doesn't mean we should never get involved, because I think God's saying you need to be involved. In fact, I believe that pastors and strong Christians need to run for office, because we'll never change things if they don't. The Wesleyan Church encourages its pastors to run for office. I'm serious. I'm stunned by it, but I'm, I think it's great. 
In fact, we have a, a pastor out in uh, Nevada who's the sheriff. <laughs> and we have another who's a mayor. <laughs> That's good. We have tons of them on city councils. That's great. Awesome. But here's the thing. When this takes away from our belief and faith in God as the one who is, then we may have a problem. When we, we get so involved and so worked up over either side of these issues that we take our focus away from Him, we've got a problem. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He would prefer take your mind and your heart and your eyes off of God and get you to focus on a side. That's what he wants to do. He'd prefer you choose his side. But even if you choose another, as long as your eyes aren't there, he's cool. Anything to keep godly people ungodly. <laughs> On a personal note, I believe that Satan is trying to destroy or diminish the church's influence by keeping people away from it. And by keeping our minds, our hearts, and our eyes off of the kingdom of God. What do you think? And, and by doing so, fixating ourselves on these issues and the modern concerns that we have. He does this through fear, by playing on our emotions, and by falsehoods. So let's look at what we know. Let's look at what to do based on what Jesus said during these last days, because he, he gave us an awful lot here, didn't he? Because I believe God is way bigger than any of this. <laughs> what do you think? I think God is way bigger than any of this. What we're going through today is nothing compared to what this world has gone through before. It's like I told my daughter, uh, you know, here a few weeks ago, yes, I know your husband's about to deploy again, and he's going for seven or eight months. I get that. And that's, that, that stinks. I get it. But what about those who deployed during Vietnam? What about World War II? What about World War I? They deployed for years. And a lot of them didn't come home, you see. I think times have been worse. We've had illnesses that literally kill people if you got it. There was no out. You died if you got it. And it, it killed thousands, hundreds of thousands. I can name several. Yeah, COVID-19s, yeah, but it's not doing that. Not like those. Bubonic plague killed, what was it, Pastor Bob? A million and a half, I think. A million and a half people. In, like in the first year, and then it killed systematically more than that until they finally got rid of it. It, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was, you were done. You didn't survive it. We, we've, we've been worse, anybody? And I suspect it's possible we could even get worse. Anybody? But here's the thing. God is on the throne. He's always going to be on the throne. That's never going to change. So what does he actually say about this stuff? First of all, this is what's interesting to me. Be in prayer. We ought to start with prayer, shouldn't we? Is any one of you in trouble? He should. I didn't even list that in my sermon, but it's right there. There's so much on prayer. 
And James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do you believe that? You see, all of our victories, every single one of them begins with prayer. And this is interesting to me and, and, because we all know this. Everybody knows this. And yet prayer oftentimes is the absolute last thing we do. Have you noticed that? Why is it? I mean, all of us can recall many times where prayer got us through whatever we were dealing with and, and how often prayer has been the only thing we could do. Anybody been there before? And God took care of it. Every spiritual victory that I can recall in my life, friends, has begun with prayer. Every one of them. And I, and I, and I, I, tried, I tried to look back and see if there's one that didn't start there. All the victories that I have spiritually started with prayer. And you know what's funny? I didn't get victory or the process of victory until I started to pray. Well, there, no, there, there's got to be a correlation there. And you know, friends, here's what it can't be. It can't be just some menial prayer. It can't be a, a prayer where my heart wasn't really in it because I've, I've done that. Have you ever half-hearted prayed? Anybody ever half-hearted prayed? You know? I think we've all done it. You see, God wants communication with us, and He wants to be present with us through prayer. I think so. Here's a tough one. Every single time I've fallen in some way, the last thing I want to do is pray. <laughs> Why? Because I'd rather hide from God than face Him. <laughs> Anybody with me here? Just, just being honest. Look around your neighbor. I bet they're doing the same thing. Who loves to face God when you screwed up? Anybody? But I've learned that every failure and every sin can be forgiven by asking for God's grace, His mercy, and His pardon. Everyone. There's only one sin that can't be forgiven, but I never have trouble with that. I know the Holy Spirit lives in me, so I can't blaspheme Him. Anybody? I know He's real. In fact, the Bible says you can blaspheme the Father and you can blaspheme the Son, but you can never blaspheme the Spirit. Because if it's in you, then you know. But here's the thing. There's no reason to, not to seek the Lord. There's no reason not to talk to Him, to be forgiven. You're going to find that He's more merciful, He's more joyful that you came to Him after failing. Not only that, all of our trials and troubles can be taken to God and then left with Him. We don't often do that because we don't take them back on ourselves. How many times have we gone to the altar and through all our troubles and cares at the foot of the altar, at the foot of the cross, and then, and then said, okay, and then walked away and took them right back with us? Anybody ever done that? And if you didn't do it right away, you did it the next day or later on, yeah? Come on now, okay? You see, we overcome this through prayer. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray continually. Well, gee whiz, friends, it's awful hard to get people to pray every day, let alone continually. Right? It's hard to get some people to pray once a week. I've had people tell me, I pray at least once a week. Good. <laughs> Let's start. Yeah? Let, and let's be honest. How many of you have gone a, over a day without praying? Who's done it more than a week and more than a month? How many of you did it at least one time in your life you did that? Mm -hmm. You see the difference, don't you? But when we're struggling... 
under attack, persecution, having money problems, job problems, family problems, relationship problems, health issues, depression, oppression, and when we don't even know what the problem is, right? We can overcome all of these things, and it begins with prayer every time, every time. Last Saturday, I went to pay my respects to a good friend, Judge Jim Lewis, special guy. Not everybody liked him, but if you got to know Jim, you saw his heart. And I'll tell you something, that man gave his life to this county as a judge and as a director of Duke County Youth Football. He cared about those kids. He didn't see any of them, but he knew them. He was blind at a very young age. But Jim told me one time that he didn't see it as a crutch. He didn't see it as a hindrance. He saw it as a means to get to know people on a more personal basis. He said it made him a better person. Wow. You know what? Jim was a Christian. Wasn't always a Christian, but he became one. And he told me what a difference in his life it made. During the funeral, they played one of his favorite songs, Sweet Hour Prayer. I hadn't heard it in a long time. And I sat and I listened to it. And the whole driving away and, and over the last several days, I just, it's been run through my mind. And I think sometimes that prayer is the only place that we'll find the sweetness we're looking for. It's the only time we'll find the sweetness we're looking for. And remember what the Apostle John said in 1 John 5.14. This is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. <laughs> you want to defeat modern concerns? Be in prayer. How about that? We need to remember, secondly, His promises. 2 Peter 1.4, through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world which is caused by evil desires. Now, we can probably have a sermon on that for another day. The corruption in the world is caused by evil desire. Not a lot of people would think that. The fact of the matter is they would blame Satan, and I get that, but Satan has no power over you unless you give it to him. Okay? I think there's a sermon there. Anybody? But anyway, God's promises are given to us for our salvation. Aren't you grateful for the promise of salvation? That's His main concern. Always was. Period. That's the purpose. God has no reason to give us any promises unless we belong to Him. You know? And if you, if you do, He has promised to not only give you eternity with Him, that's the start, okay? But also, He will give you His love and His protection. And by golly, I want that, okay? He knows what the enemy does, and He knows that the enemy will come for you. How many of you know that the enemy is going to come for you? Well, God does too. God, God knows exactly what the enemy is going to do. He knows that you deal with this spiritually. And He also knows that He has made a covenant with you to be your God, get this, through everything. He's not a part-time God. He's not a sometimes God. He isn't, he isn't a God that you, you call when things are really bad. He's a God you call at every turn. You know, uh, I, I've heard this before. This is no kidding. I was in a church service one time. Now, I'm not going to knock the pastor. You don't know him anyway, uh, and it's in South Bend anyhow. But it's, 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 a large, it's a large church. It's the United Methodist denomination, but it's just a community church. They call it a community church. 
And I was in the service. I was on vacation one time from uh, Decatur Westing when I pastored there. And, I, and, and we went to this, this large church um, and, and just because it was close. And, and they stood, this is no kidding. They stood up in the worship service and they said, if you're struggling, do not call the pastor. I went, there's just too many of you. That's what they said. But you can call the pastor if it's really bad. And I looked around, and they're all going, oh, yes. Well, I'm thinking, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? Now, I realized that they had a large group and a large staff of pastors. In other words, they were saying, don't everybody just call the senior pastor. Call one of the other staff pastors. And I understand that, but I don't. You know what I mean? And I think that some of you do that with me. You think I'm so busy that you won't call me because you think it's, it's not bad enough. Don't do that. Don't do that. You always call the pastor. You hear me? You always call the pastor. Whether I'm having a good day or not, or whether I'm busy or not, I'm always busy. But I'm always God's pastor, and I'm your pastor. And that's my, not job, that's my calling. That's my vocation. That's what He's done with me. I'm up to it. And if I'm not, I will defer you. I've got a great staff here. If I'm sick or I can't do it, I've got people. You hear me? Friends, my goodness. God wants to see us through our problems. He wants to help us. And He's given us every promise in the world to do it. When God offered you salvation, He promised to be always there for you, and He has been. It might be through me. It might be through one another. It might be through another pastor. But He's going to have somebody for you. You got people. We all have people. You understand? Call on Him. He wants you to see it through because He sure will. He'll see it through. You see, the promises are also there for our learning. We don't, I never liked school. Anybody not like school? Well, I didn't at first. I found out, I, de- I decided in my life in high school that I was a really poor student, and I was. It wasn't because I couldn't get it, because I didn't want to get it. I, there were other things that I thought were more important, like chasing girls, <laughs> hanging out by the canal in my hot rod, doing things I probably ought not be doing, and no, I'm not going to tell you what they were. Just to say you ought not do it, okay? And I knew how to play the system. I knew how to skip school and not get in trouble. I knew how to not get caught. I networked so well. Let me not tell you that either. But I networked so well that I did things that were able to get me off the hook, and they thought I was in school when I was not. Now, now, here's the thing. What, why do I tell you that? Because, first of all, for those of you who think I was always this goody two-shoes, you, I think you know now that I was not. But I know the difference between a godly life and an ungodly life. And I went to church too, by the way. <laughs> I played the game. I, I knew how to play in the church with the people that were around me, and they thought I was all that bag of chips. And I knew how to be where I wanted to be when I wanted to be it. Right? And don't tell me you never did it in some manner, 
Some of you might still be doing it. You ought to tell me that. <laughs> okay, because we can fix that together. But here, here's the deal. I, I, don't, I don't tell you this because I'm trying to, you know, identify with you. I'm trying to identify with some things that are important here. I didn't like school. But I found out that when I put my mind to it and I was in the Marine Corps and I was in college, I was a very good student, a very good student. And, and I found out that when I went to school to be a pastor, I was even better. You know why? Because that's what God wanted me to do. Oh, it was tough sometimes. And you better believe sometimes the, the professors were asking for a theological answer. And I, I, thought, I, I even put time one time, no clue. And then one time a, a professor wrote, wrote something on there and he explained what he was trying to say, what he was trying to teach. And I go, what are you talking about, man? Right? Do you ever look at me like that and say, what are you talking about, man? Don't be nodding your heads, you guys. Come on. Who's doing it? <laughs> right? You know, sometimes it's just, doesn't it? And maybe you're not ready for that part of it yet, but here's the thing. God, God gets you ready for it. He makes you ready to learn His Word, okay? He, he provides the means for you to get it. He gives us instructions. And through them, we can find God's will and His guidance. And everybody can get it. Don't look at it like you're in school again and, oh, it's like, ooh, goody. God's going to give me some instruction. I can learn here. I can know what to deal with and how to deal with these things when they come, when the devil comes looking for me, right? Everybody ought to know those things. You can do this. The Bible gives us instruction on specific things, and it gives us guidance on those things that aren't necessarily mentioned specifically. You see, there's the spirit of the law, and there's the letter of the law. And some things are mentioned, and some things aren't. And this is what gets me every time. When someone comes to me, well, Jesus didn't say that. He didn't have to. In fact, it's pretty obvious he didn't need to. If, if you're a godly person and you're pursuing godly things, you'll know when something's godly and when it's not, whether it's mentioned specifically or not. I do. And don't tell me you can't. Anybody? You know. If it isn't godly, does God remind you that even though it's not specifically mentioned in Scripture, it's probably not godly? If He doesn't, then you don't belong to Him. Or you've not gotten to that place yet. Okay? And you can't claim that for very long neither, by the way. Because God expects you to what? Expand and grow and get there. Yeah? If you're plateauing, you're not plateauing, you're regressing. Anybody with me here? Jimmy, how long have you been a Christian? 80-some years. 90-some years, whatever. I'm trying to be gracious. But a long time, yeah? Here's the deal. Has God ever told you it's okay to plateau? Never. Never told me that. Has he told anybody else that? No. So what does he demand from you? Grow. You see. His spirit and his intent are all over the scripture. It's all, it's all through it. What he desires is all through it, whether he says it specifically or not. And all of us has the ability to discern not only what Jesus did, but what he would do. And you can't make up your own rules as you go along. 
In fact, the only time that that doesn't match up with Scripture by His intent is when we want a different answer. And believe me, I've wanted a different answer than I had. Anybody ever want a different answer than what you found in Scripture? Anybody ever want a different answer than what the Holy Spirit told you? Y- yes. But that doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean you can do it. Remember, people want to believe what they want to believe to do what they want to do. We always have. But friends, the fact is, that when, when we're down and out and we don't know how things are going to turn out, remember that God has the final victory and you are a part of it. Remember His promises. Yeah? Be in prayer. Remember His promises. Thirdly, practice patience. This, this is a tough one. Okay? Come on. You, if you saw the sermon notes before you, know, before, you knew that this was going to be a tough one. James 1.4 says, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The fact is, as I read that, I think, yep, and most of us lack patience. <laughs> yeah, I, I, hey, I do. I admit it. I'll, I, I'll put up. I lack patience, but not in the manner you might think. This is strange to me. Do you know that this is probably one of the biggest things we struggle with? I know it is for me. In fact, patience is sort of my Achilles heel. Anybody? Who has an Achilles heel? Anybody? You don't know what it is, do you? It's a saying, okay? An Achilles heel is something that you struggle with. It's not a physical problem. It's something you struggle with mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, okay? Everybody has, sometimes we call them a vice, okay? Everybody, everybody has it, but that's my weakness. But it's only in certain things, uh, you know, in patience. Now, I don't, I don't like to wait on people, not in line, and certainly not on the road. You can start, don't be laughing, come on. I struggle with it. I repent all the time. I'm telling you. That's, that's, that's my Achilles heel. But when it comes to waiting on God, I, you know, I really don't seem to struggle there so much. I used to. But I've noticed as I get closer to Him, I understand God more. And because I do, I don't lack patience there as much. Has anybody noticed that? It's called spiritual maturity. Anybody getting there? How many of you got a ways to go, you think? Well, I get it, okay? But praise the, God, praise the Lord, praise God, you're going to get there because He's going to see to it, okay? But patience, you know. You see, God sometimes allows troubles and trials to come into our lives so that our patience can increase. If there's nothing we can do, we just simply have to wait, you know. And, of course, we can always pray, Right? And we can remember His promises. There's, you know, why you're waiting. <laughs> Anybody? That's a good way to interject the first two points, isn't it? Anyway, we learn patience by waiting on the Lord. And as difficult as that is, we have to do it, and it takes practice. It takes practice, friends. It takes time for an oak to grow or for an artist to paint a masterpiece. Some things can't be rushed. Hebrews 10.36 says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. And brother, I want it. I want what God has promised. And it's going to take a while. He's he's working on me. You ever knew that song, He's Still Working on Me? Because He is, you know. I've learned that when I wait on God with patience and perseverance sometimes, it builds spiritual character, and so it becomes easier as time goes on. 
Not only that, but it teaches us that God's promises are absolutely real. And you know what else more than that? He always keeps them. He always keeps His promises. The victories that we experience from waiting on God and practicing our patience will always prove its worth if you're willing to wait. And today in our modern concerns, we're definitely going to have to practice patience. <laughs> you know, patience with, you know, all sorts of things, including each other. <laughs> yeah? I'm going to have to be patient with people that I disagree with. Gosh, I hate that. But that's what God demands of me, isn't it? What I want to say about that is this, friends. Now I'll skip around here a little bit. Oftentimes, it seems like Satan is winning. Did anybody ever think that? Does it feel to you like Satan's winning? It appears that evil is prevailing. Have you ever felt that? It seems as though the majority of people who are so godless, so self-centered, so self-entitled, and so self-righteous and self-important, that it seems that they're gaining authority in great numbers, and are even being elected <laughs> into positions. Don't get me started on that. But here's the deal. Perhaps they are. Perhaps they are gaining in numbers. Perhaps they are gaining authority. But who put them there? You could say Satan did it. Yeah, because people allowed it. Okay. But it will be for a short time. Because I, I, I've read Revelation. <laughs> I've read Habakkuk. I've read Daniel. I've read Ezekiel. It's for a short time. Not what we consider short, but what God considers short. You see, it'll be for a short time. Because no matter what happens on this earth, those with the Lord have what? Eternity. Eternity. Eternity is an awful lot longer than short time. Isn't it? It's a lot longer than life on earth. Amen? So practice patience through your modern concerns. Amen? Because a good way to make patience easier is to constantly, number four, praise. Constantly praise. Psalm 150, verse 6, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You say, I can't memorize Scripture. If you can't memorize that, well, let's leave it at that. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Anybody can memorize that, can't they? Remember that. You see, God demands our praise. How many of you knew that God demands your praise? If you're at home or at Mecca, wherever you are, raise your hand if you know it. Look around. Keep your hand up. Anybody got their hand down? Those of you with your hands up, get with them and teach them. God demands your praise. You need to know that. Because if you know it, you'll do it. And if you won't, you won't. What does He demand our praise for? In and through everything. Uh-huh. In, through, and for everything. Doesn't He? 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing. 
We might not always want to praise because our circumstances cause us not to feel like it. Now look, friends, I get it. You think I'm some kind of superhuman, super Christian that doesn't get that? I do get it. We all get it. I don't care how close to God you are. Billy Graham said he struggled to praise sometimes. Now, I'm just using him as one example. I know for a fact that David struggled to praise sometimes, but he still did it. Hmm? In fact, he wrote the most of the Psalms, and that's what they're all about. If anybody had a reason to feel like, not feel like praising, it was David. <laughs> anybody with me here? You see, it's a human thing. But we have these tremendous examples of people who praise regardless of their circumstances. Not only David, but Stephen and Paul and even Solomon for a time. I remember from the movie Facing the Giants. Bob, you'll remember this because you're the one turned me on to these movies. You know, Co Coach Taylor was at rock bottom. He told his wife one day at the table that he couldn't win as a coach. He said, why can't I win? Like everything else in life, it's me. It's me. I'm the problem. I can't keep good players at my school and on my team. I can't provide a decent life and a decent car for you. He's talking to his wife. And like everything in else in life, I can't provide you with a child. It's me. I'm the problem. And he sat there and laid it all out. Now listen, I know this is a movie. But I think that, that I, I've been in places like that before. I think you've been in places. I think people are in places like that. And then God finally got into a place where He knew that He had to praise the Lord no matter the circumstances. See, God sometimes is patient with us too, isn't He? In fact, you could say He's patient a lot more with us than we are with Him. You see. And God let him wallow in self-pity for a while. And he let him struggle for a while, too. And see, again, movie or not, this is true. This stuff happens. And if you want the truth, but this is based on a true story, by the way. And so one day, he starts buying into it. He starts understanding. He, he spends the night with the Lord. His wife is asleep. He goes out and he spends the night in prayer and in the Word. And then he goes out in the morning. He says, you're my God. You're my God. I mean, I'm your child. You're my God. And, and that's enough for me. And he tells his wife, if God never gives us children, will you still love him? And she didn't answer. But when she went to the doctor here, because she thought she might actually be pregnant, and they told her, no, you're not. She gets back to the car. She said, God, I will still praise you. I will still praise you. And I still will still love you. And then the woman runs out and says, oh, we've mixed some things up. You are. Now, it doesn't always happen that way in life. But here's the deal, my friends. What I caught from that is both of them had to come place at the bottom of the rocks, at the bottom of the, of the bedrocks, that they had to say, I'm going to love and praise God no matter what. And so he goes to his football team and he says, you know, if we're in this just to play football, win games, we're in it for the wrong reasons. And they all bought into it. All the kids did. They were at Christian school. And they said, we're going to praise Him when we win, we're going to praise Him when we lose. Because I think we're all about praising when we win, but not so much when we lose it, especially if you keep losing and been losing for quite some time. Eventually you say, I don't need this, I don't need God, I don't need anybody. I'm going to do it myself. 
Who's ever thought that? Mm -hmm. See? But here's the thing, friends. God demands it. <laughs> so when we're not praising, we're actually being disobedient. Think on that for a minute. Because here's the deal. God does hear our praise. He really does. And I often want, sometimes wonder uh, if God hears anything from us at all. But praise often moves His mighty, loving, compassionate hand when nothing else can really be done. I've, I've been there, you know. And this enables us to overcome our difficulties and our trials and allows us to claim victory. Lord knows we need that. Anybody need victory? If not today, tomorrow. Or sometime. Now, if we want to feel better and get past our modern concerns, we need to constantly praise the Lord. Because we know He's still on the throne and no matter what happens, we belong to Him, not just now but for eternity. God wants us to praise Him because He knows that when we do, it means we believe in Him. When you praise God, it proves to us or to yourself and to others and Him that, He knows it anyway, but it proves that you believe in Him, which means you have a reason to praise. <laughs> I mean, everybody in here has got a reason to praise, don't you? Even if nothing else goes right in your life, you have a reason to praise. And you ought to know what it is. Anybody listening to this message, anybody hearing this, if you have salvation, you have a reason to praise. If nothing else in your life works out, you have a reason to praise. Amen? The world will never understand that. They'll never believe it because they base everything on what they get here. Every one of them. David said it best in Psalm 100, verses 1 to 5, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Yes, indeed. Lastly, we have to live on purpose. You have to live with purpose and live on purpose. And living on purpose has two different meanings. You can live on the purposes that God has given you, and you could do it on purpose. In other words, you got to put your mind to it. You understand? I don't think I really understood that until God had me develop in this message. Because there's a difference between the two. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purposes, which He accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, let me tell you what that means. Friends, we're going to have to promote God's purpose by First of all, witnessing to the lost. You understand that? Got to witness to the lost. And let's face it, some of us are better at that than others. But we're all called to it. And the reason we do that is to bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Isn't that why we do it? If you really, if you really are concerned about people, you won't worry about hurting their feelings or stepping on their toes. 
by saying things they don't like to hear. If it's the truth, that's what God wants you to do because it's the only way they're going to have salvation. You understand that? But we'd rather listen to the enemy and say, no, I'm, I, that, 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 might, you know, that might be considered hate speech. Or I might offend somebody. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ offends a lot of people. They don't believe it because they think that He accepts everything that they want to do and think. Never has. They, they see God as the big, bad bully, and Jesus is the one who cares. No. They're one and the same. Always have been. Get that through your head. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Did you hear that? He doesn't want anyone to per perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, everybody wants heaven, but they don't want to repent. They want it their way. God didn't operate that way. We have to remember that God's number one desire is to have His creation of people belong to Him and be with Him for eternity. And to do that, we're going to have to live like we know it and live on purpose by doing it. Live on purpose by doing it. We have a massive responsibility to bring others into relationship with Christ, and they can do it too then. You see, God wants to use us for His ministry to people. He does. Some are better than others, but we're all called. You see, friends, when we're obedient, we become this walking testimony and this pillar of an example in the image of Christ when we do it. I, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of God's commands. I am not ashamed of how He has changed me. I am not ashamed of those things. I may get ridiculed for it, but I'm not ashamed of it. And if you are, then you're not living with purpose or on purpose. You're living in the shadow of fear of people. And there's a difference. You see, the only way this world is ever going to straighten out or become what everybody really hopes it can be is if it's done through the commands and guidance of God. And friends, let's face it. We've tried everything else, and everything else hasn't worked. Gosh, what else can we try? What else can we really try that we think is going to work outside of God? How, how much worse can this world really get? You know? Try something else. Let's, let's try that. It's not working. Hadn't been working. In fact, we can prove that the further this world gets from God, the worse the world has become. Can't we prove that? I, I'm not reasonably sure. I am 100% positive I can do it. I know I can. And I consider myself more than a lucid person. And I, I think you can too. And I believe the same for you. If you really think about it, you can prove that the further from God we've gone, the worse we've become. It's happened in the United States as well. Taking God out of everything, forbidding prayer in our schools, making our Christian belief systems seem like bigotry when it isn't, and forbidding, forbidding anyone to practice their Christian belief system in their workplace, even in our government. Now, let's face it, we're much worse off now than we were even 20 years ago. I know it. I've been here 20 years, I'm telling you. I've watched it. It happened in my lifetime. It's happened before my eyes. Watch an episode of Andy Griffith. 
It's a TV show. Yeah, I know. I get it. But it depicted what life was in the 1960s. Big difference from then till now. In the morality of people, in the goodness of people. People just did the right thing, whether they're Christian or not. But the reason people did the right thing is most of them were Christians. <laughs> not so much anymore. Yeah, it's not faring well for us, is it? And the reason is that we've gotten away from real Christianity, what our nation was founded on and built on, and everybody can see it. But friends, if they don't see it, they're fooling themselves. Don't listen to that rhetoric. You know what else you have to do to live on purpose? Serve God faithfully. This is my last point. Serve Him with your time, your talent, and your treasure. You see, we overcome our trials and we experience victory by receiving power, by receiving authority and confidence by working for and serving God. Listen carefully. We overcome by working for God. That's how you do it. If you want to overcome the rough times of life, start working for God. Stop working for things in your own life, even your lives of your kids and yourself and your wife and your, and your husband. You got to do some of that stuff. But friends, it's upside down. It's backwards. If you start living and working for God, He will dole out the time for you to do it with your family, and it'll be the right amount. Because some people have gone haywire in their priorities. And that's where our religious belief system has gone out the window. We're not practicing Christianity because we're not working for God. Because we don't have time for it. And if you listen to Bible Story Cafe tonight, you'll hear me touch on that again. We live life for now, but we do Christianity when we have time. That's a fact. And if you look at yourself, you know it is. Okay? So I'm not going to get into that now. Watch it tonight. Maybe you won't now, but you should. Now, here's the thing. This is a Christian way of living on purpose. Have you ever heard someone say, drive it like you stole it? Yeah. There's something... Be I've pursued people that did that. <laughs> and it's dangerous, I'm telling you. But here's the deal. Steve, have you ever done that? You know, that's a... No cop likes to get into a high-speed pursuit, yes or no? Somebody's going to get hurt, I'm telling you. But here's the thing. I think there's some truth in this to the way we live. Why don't we live it like we own it? I made that up. I really did. Why don't we live it like we own it? Because we do. You do. You own it. God gave it to you. You accepted it. It's yours. You have it. And no one can take it. We learned that at the very beginning of this sermon. You, it can't be taken from you. Don't allow it to be taken. And as our worship team comes, listen. Living joyfully isn't really that hard. Yes, I know that we're always going to have problems. And some of them have been around for a long time. And some of them are brand new, like COVID-19. Brand new. But there's been others like it, and there's going to be many more like it. It doesn't matter of the time nor the modern concern. There's always been a concern in modern times. But God was God then, and He's God now. He's going to be God in the future until He decides this world is never going to be anymore. And even then, He's still going to be God. You see. 
He always has been, always will be. And what's amazing is that He's our God. That's what Coach Taylor said. You're my God. Wake up and know that He's your God. That's, that's everything. We're His people. Amen. Hallelujah and amen. Yeah? Get through and past our modern concerns with victory. Be in prayer. Remember His promises. Practice patience. Wait for God to move. Constantly praise and live as a Christian on and in purpose. You see, this is the formula to live the way life was meant to be lived. My wife and I were in Nashville, Indiana yesterday just because we felt like it. Just thought up and did it. <laughs> Sometimes that's a good thing, yeah? Went down there, got some ice cream, hung out, got an euro, it's kind of good. Horse around, looked at people. Went into a t-shirt shop, didn't really want to go in there, but it was air conditioned, so we went in there. <laughs> no, you, none of you have ever done that, right? So I went in there, and uh, it had tons of t-shirts with different monikers all over them, but mo no matter what the depiction on them was, it said, life is good. And, and, and everywhere, I, I saw the person, I didn't think much about it, saw this, did, and I went upstairs, and there's all these shirts, and they have all different things on them. One of them had uh, a lady in a convertible with tunes out and, and said, holding up traffic, life is good. <laughs> I thought, I, my wife wanted that shirt, I would get it for her. But here's the deal, okay? All these shirts, no matter what it was, no matter what your walk of life, no, no matter what you are, no matter who you were, no matter, life was good if you see it that way. And I thought that was interesting because I've seen that statement on lots of things lately, like it's sort of coming back. Remember when it first came out? Sort of coming back. And yesterday, I saw it on the back of a Jeep. And I've seen it on the back of Jeeps a lot. I see a couple things. You know, it's a Jeep thing you wouldn't understand. Oh, I understand. I just don't like them. But the fact of the matter is, some people love them. And to them, life is good because they like Jeeps, you know, or whatever, whatever it is you like, life can be good if you're in it, okay? Now, God must have been trying to tell me something because... I keep seeing life is good, and I begin to think about that. Yeah, it is. But it's only as good as it can be when He's in it. That's when life is really good. You might think life outside of God is good, but it really isn't. It's only good, honestly good, when He's in it. Jesus said the same thing. Why do you call me good? Only the Father is good. In other words, the only time we're ever going to be good is when we're one and united with the Father. And He's in our lives by the power of His Spirit. That, my friends, is good. Because the Lord made humankind, and He said it was good. But only when He's with us. That is what makes life good. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.